Welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George Deacon, Bear Adam Conkin Studio. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. We haven't done the show like all year. All year. Uh, We took a break over the holidays, obviously. Uh, Christmas, the Christmas season, the New Year. We're back in the studio. Back at it. And it's great to be with you, and thanks for everyone for listening in on the radio, KLFT, here or on the podcast, wherever you are. I'm sure you've missed the show, and we're glad to be back. If I do seem a little nasal, do I seem a little nasally? Just a little. Yeah. Just a lot of weird weather. You yeah. Know, cold, things like that. Allergies. Yes. Ups and downs, you might say. The oh. temperature up and down, the amount of rain up and down. Correct. The, the pollen count mm-hmm. up and down. So, yep. yep. It's only yep. so much one nasal cavity can take. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of things going around too. People have been sick in and out of the house. I mean, everybody like all over the place, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, but it is a new year and I'm excited. Um so thanks everyone for being a part of the show. We we got uh some exciting things this year. Do we? Some That's great amazing. shows that we have planned. Yep. And exciting news that'll come come about this year that's right i I can't wait to see what 2024 has in store it'll be a year i think we'll look back on and say wow that that was a year that was a year yeah yeah no so it's good to be back with you uh you're off to new york city yeah um, i am this week so you're a world traveler (laughs) i'll be home yeah, no, I'm taking my daughter to New York. I take each kid when they turn around 10, and um, it's her turn. And I've got a great trip planned, and I uh, can't wait to see all the normal New York stuff, but also the uh, Catholic side of New York. Um, for example, there's this movie about St. Francis Cabrini coming out in March, mm-hmm. March 8th. Right. That looks pretty awesome, but she's buried in New York City, and we'll be visiting her, sh- her tomb, her shrine. Right. There's a great little museum there about her. I don't know if you've ever been there. Mm, I haven't. But it's pretty neat. Uh, they did a good job with it. It's it's at a school. It's a school she founded, so it's still a functioning school where she's buried, which is kind of cool. Because um, like you go in to pray, and they got like recess going on outside and stuff like that. But then they have a, a good museum with like a lot of relics slash artifacts from her life. And man, she was such a tough cookie. I'm excited about the movie because I mean she was like a, a Mother Teresa type in America, and she's you know she did a lot of hard things, really hard things. Yes. All over the world, uh, country, but um, but in New York in particular. So, anyway, I'm excited for my daughter to to see her and then see the movie later. You know, in a couple of months, that'll be a great like one-two punch um, of inspiration. Well, so, you have like nine or ten kids, right? Yeah, just so many. So every two years, about you go to New York. City that's right, because you take every kid when they turn ten. Yep. On a trip, and that trip just happens to be New York. That's right. Right. Yeah. So like it was like two years ago or a year and a half ago that you went with John. John, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, I mean, you're a pro at this trip by now. Yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, good for you, man. I, I think it's phenomenal. I think it's great. Yeah. No. We'll have a good time. And if anybody's in the New York area, go to Mother Cabrini Shine, Shrine. You won't regret it. And uh, there's other great Catholic stuff in New York too as well. You've been and you've seen the Catholic things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, some of them. So there's some great stuff over there. Well, great. Well, just like we left off last year, why don't we start off the new year with a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? So did you hear about these twins that were born um, New Year's Eve as midnight was bringing on New Year's Day? 
Okay. Um, did you see that? It's pretty neat. So basically, here's what happened. Tell me about it. Woman goes into labor. You ever had twins before? No, I've never had twins. Yeah, me neither. But it seems uh, seems exciting, especially when you know it's coming. It's like, wow, two babies. Um, well, little Ezra was born at 11.48 p.m. on New Year's Eve. Uh, but his brother Ezekiel was born 40 minutes later at 12.28 a.m. New Year's Day. So this is in South Jersey, by the way. And so these twins were born in different years. So twins born in different years on different days. Yes. That doesn't happen very often. So they'll have their own birthday. Yeah. Isn't that something? As twins. Mm-hmm. I wonder what took the second one to, so long to come out. Yeah, 40 minutes seems like a while. Because uh, they usually do like C-sections for twins. I guess so. But this one was not. And um, so congrats to even Billy. That their two boys are identical twins, by the way. They're identical. But they're born in different years. Different years. One was 2023, <laughs> one was 2024. Yeah, isn't that wild? That's cool. That's great. But it gets even stranger. Oh, it does. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, coincidentally, Ezra has the same birthday as his father, who was also born on New Year's Eve. Hmm. So it was the father's birthday when the first baby came out. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so... That's weird. Wow. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, it must, I've always thought about like being a twin. Of course, I'm not a twin, but the twins that I've known, they've had such a, a, a connection that like seems, it, it just seems like you're living a different kind of life when you have a twin. You know what I mean? Like there's another you and uh, the ones that I've known that have been like close to the Lord, it just seems like that life that you share, I don't know, um, has a certain companionship to it that just, it's just beautiful. Like I, I know two twins in particular that are just very saintly people. And um, it's a beautiful thing to see their connection, but like their connection in the Lord as, as brothers, for example. Um, I just don't know if I would ever be that close to somebody spiritually. Even my wife, like it's a different kind of thing. It's like a spousal relationship. But when you're kind of the same person, but different people, mm -hmm. there's just something kind of strange and cool about it. Only twins know what it's like to be twins. Yeah. Do you have any Irish twins? No, not quite. Close. I mean, it seems like out of all the kids that you have, mm -hmm. y'all would have had at least Irish twins, but no. Not quite. Mm -mm. Not quite. Yeah. You don't have a twin. No twins. I'm not a twin. Uh, we have... Uh, we kind of have Irish twins. We uh, our middle two are a year apart. Really? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. And they're close. They're yeah. They have a you know a different connection. I think mm -hmm. because they they just grew up. They're kind of the same age, for the mm -hmm. most part. You know. Yeah. Anyway, um, you ever played the game? What are the odds? <laughs> no. So, I mean, like for things like this, it's like, what are the odds that twins would be born in different years, different days? Mm -hmm. And it's silliest game because you're like, they're obviously odds. It's true. Because it happened. That's true. You know? Yeah. And I guess you got to look that up. You can't just make something up. But It just feels like in a lot of ways, like, you know, we, it, my point being that what are the odds has a little bit of like, oh, is there luck involved or mm -hmm. like, what is it? And, you know, 
the reality is how much do we rely more on just God's providence, God's revelation, God revealing or doing things in our life and say, instead of saying, what are the odds, you know? Mm -hmm. So like when you look at like, we're entering in ordinary time, right? Mm -hmm. And we're going to go through these groups of readings and these gospel readings where, um, that are cool, that are like these moments where Jesus is going to intersect with certain people in the gospel, right? And you could say to yourself, like, well, what are the odds that Jesus would have been at right there at that moment interacting or, you know, like uh, crossing paths with Simon Peter or the disciples of John, like we'll hear about this Sunday, right? And the reality is it's not about the odds. It's about like God's actual providence of being there in that moment. Like his will was to be and interact and intersect with that person's life in that moment. Yeah, the odds game, I guess. um, I remember a priest saying how there's really no such thing as coincidence. He would say this all the time. There's only God incidents, right? No coincidence, God incidents. Right, But there's such a truth to that, and it's, um, it's humbling when you reflect on a day, just one day, and you ask yourself, where was God's providence? Because like you were talking about how God lines things up or Paul says in Romans, all things work together for our good, for the good of those who love God. But to actually uh, think about that and reflect on a day, and then thank God for his providence, even in little things, and sometimes big things, right? Like I had so many days where, you know, God intervened to keep a child from being seriously hurt or whatever. But there's so many little things, too, that God just gives us every day by his providence um, that... uh, if we don't give thanks to God for these things, then we kind of just think they happen or like it doesn't matter. It's all just kind of life is random. Um, And then that's how we become people who don't really uh, depend on God for much. We just let, you know, life kind of roll the dice and we'll see. But God wanted these two babies born different years. So they end up on the news that we talk about them today or whatever. Like it's all part of God's plan. Right. Um, Yeah, like when you look at the gospel this Sunday, We'll read. It's actually one one of my favorite gospels because it's got some really cool imagery in there about following Christ. But um, <clears throat> uh, John the Baptist had followers and disciples, right? Like he's mm-hmm. his prophet, and uh, it says John was standing there with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, "Behold, the Lamb of God." Okay, what are the odds that Jesus would walk by? Well, there there is no odds. Mm-hmm. The reality is that. Jesus wanted to be there in that moment for a specific thing, right? Like right. We, we we don't live our life by luck. We live it by with intention, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. So they, they just peeled off, left John, and just started walking with Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to him, what are you looking for? Right? Like... The, the, there's this interaction, there's this collision, there's this this whole you know intentional moment that Jesus has with it, and they and they said, um, you know, teacher, uh, where are you staying? And he said, come and you will see. And he invited them to come. If they were just you know just kind of just living their life w- with no intention or G- Jesus didn't have intention of that relationship. Then it's just like, Oh, that was a cool moment. Let's move on. 
Yeah, they wouldn't change their whole life because of one moment. Right. But we see saints do that all the time. They change their life because of one moment. When they see that moment as God's providence, that God intervened. St. Augustine talked about that, how like grace invades our life um, at certain moments that God chooses. And it doesn't come every day necessarily. It's not like every day they were at the shore or every day they were near the Sea of Galilee and Jesus was there asking them to come every day. That was the one day. I mean, if they would have said no or like, well, we'll come back tomorrow, see if he's still here, that's it. Right. They would have had no life of apostleship, no life of discipleship. The gospel would have been changed forever. But that day where God decided to invade their life with grace, they had to respond. And saints seem to be willing to change their life on a dime when they know that God wants them to do something. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> he lived a very intentional life, right? Mm-hmm. He's intentional in his mission, intentional in who he called to be his disciples, intentional in who, who he interacted with. He didn't wake up each day and be like, I'm going to live by luck today. Mm-hmm. You know, like very intentional. And he taught the disciples to be intentional, to be missionaries, to, to you know, love and serve in specific and unique and intentional ways, right? Like we're called to live the same way, not just by like sheer luck and sheer like, what are the odds, right? What are the odds that, uh, you know, whatever, like the Lord gives us the grace to be intentional in our life, intentional in our marriage, intentional in our work, intentional in our parenting. Take, for example, the fact that you are going to New York this Friday, you're bringing your 10 year old daughter. Okay. You just didn't wake up one day and be like, I don't know what to do. Maybe I'll do this. You were very intentional within a big family of carving out one-on-one time with your children as they got older, right? Mm-hmm. A specific time. You know, as well as I do, that one-on-one time in a big family is very hard, mm-hmm. right? And so you just made uh, a very intentional decision to be intentional about that decision, to be intentional, mm-hmm. saying this is what I'm going to do. This is one of the things I'm going to do. I can't do everything, but this is one of the things. And so you, it's not like you just you know, kind of just put it out there as a thought, you were intentional about making it happen. Okay. Well, why? Well, if you, God's grace gave you the ability to think more intentionally about your family, right? Because you're in a relationship with the Lord. So I'm using you as an example, not to put you on the spot, but we are all called to be intentional about the way that we live our life for Jesus. Not to just wake up and be like, you know, quote unquote, what are the odds? Let me live by luck, you know? Yes, in part, like God, do what you want in my life today. Put who you want in front of me today. But with that surrender, to be intentional about how I live my life with those interactions and with those people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think <clears throat> I think I've heard this phrase, I'm sure you've heard it many times too, where Christians kind of betray that they're just kind of like, living their life, hoping it works out. You ever heard the phrase, I just hope to make it to purgatory? You ever heard that phrase? I just hope I get into purgatory. Yeah, I just want to slide on in. I just hope I get there. Just hope I get there. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? I mean, I hope I make it to purgatory. I hope I make it to heaven, because if I'm, if I'm going to purgatory, I'm going to heaven. But the idea is, like, I get to choose how I live my life. Now, God's grace gets me to heaven, not my own ability or merit or anything like that or my own greatness is God's sheer gift. Right. But I know that gift has been offered to me Mm -hmm. and I have a choice to live with him or not. Right. And um, to kind of 
leave my Christian walk up to like, I hope it works out just seems not right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. What I love about the reading and we'll close the segment on this is that the John's disciples knew that there was more and John pointed to Jesus and those disciples were very intentional about leaving John and following Jesus. Did they know where that was going to take them or lead them? Absolutely not. And when we're called to follow the Lord, we don't see the end in mind. We don't know the end. We don't know uh, what the road will take. All we know is that today we're called to say yes to Jesus and follow him and to be intentional about that. And that's what the disciples did. And Jesus was very intentional in calling them forward and saying, come and stay and you will see the life that I'm calling you to. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George Deacon Bear in studio. I'm a bit nasally today, <laughs> but, uh, you know, life is good. Uh, it's winter here as, as far as winter can go here in Louisiana. So thanks for listening in on the podcast, wherever you are, or on the radio here in K- KLFT and Acadiana. Great to be back with you this year. Uh, we had a good break, Adam, you and I kind of, uh, connected a couple of times over the break. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the holidays, uh, Christmas, Advent, the new year. Um, it's great. Yeah, it was glorious. It's good to break. And um, 24 is going to be a great year, so ready ready to roll with it. I, um, I was thinking about how John the Baptist and Jesus are like those twins. Mm. It's like one's last year, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. One's this year, the New Testament. So I, my one of my... <laughs> Best friends is my first cousin, like Jesus and John, the Baptist. Yeah. And we are about nine months apart, which is about what Jesus, John the Baptist. Is this Holly? Right. Uh, no. Holly okay. was on the show. That's right. This is my cousin Taylor. He's a boy. Taylor. So it's okay. two boys. Now, Holly, Holly and I are, are close. We grew up together. Um, but Taylor's the closest I have to a brother. I didn't have any brothers. We're mm. nine months apart. We grew up together. You know, obviously around the same age, but Jesus and John the Baptist were mm-hmm. about that far apart. You yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. give or take, what, whatever. Um, I don't know what their childhood was like. I don't know how they grew up. But when I am with Taylor, it is like being with an Irish twin. Like we just, there's just some language and some things that are unspoken that we just get. Huh. Laugh at things that no one else laughs at. Say things that no one else says. Yeah. It's, it's really strange. 
That is strange. Now, he and I would probably have an argument who's John the Baptist and who's Jesus. (laughs) We've been arguing over those things our whole life. Well, who wears the wildest clothes? Like brothers. Who eats the strangest foods? Him or you? Hmm. Who's more wild? Yeah. Probably me. So you're the John the Baptist. I'm probably more John the Baptist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. A good man. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I was thinking about at... At the end of Advent and then Christmas, the Epiphany, right, which we just celebrated last last week, right, and then now we're moving into ordinary time. There was an image that was very, um, uh, just clear to me, and you know I, I've recognized it before in the readings, but I think this year it just kind of it just kind of like struck me. Um, the at the Epiphany the you know, the shepherds appear to Jesus, uh, not appear, or show up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring their gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? Mm-hmm. right? Gold, frankincense, and wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> there's myrrh. <laughs> um, but anyway, they, they had met Herod, and Herod had asked that when they found the Messiah that they would return to Herod and tell Herod where the Messiah was, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're following me? You know yeah. the story? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, because you can pitch in at any moment. No, you're doing I great. I didn't know if this was a new story for you. You're doing great. Like if you had ever heard it. I have. I mean, I know you're a deacon and all. Right. But. No, um, this is great. You're doing great. So anyway, uh, when they encounter Jesus in the manger, right, and they, they find what they're looking for, um, they decide to not return to Herod. They made a, they made a, a very intentional decision. Mm-hmm. And I was reading a commentary, I was thinking about it, meditating on that, at the, at the epiphany and then, you know, and that whole interaction. And it really struck me that uh, one of the commentaries kind of highlighted what I was thinking and it put some words to it, but it said, of course, that once they encountered the Lord, they would not return and go back the same way, that they would choose a different route, a different way of living. And it just hit me that, yes, of course, if we interact and encounter Jesus, we, of course, are going to choose a different way to go. Mm-hmm. And it just really, like, it, it, it wasn't like that they were just like, oh, we, just, we don't want this baby to get murdered. Uh, we don't want to tell King Herod about it. There was a, something very, like a, a real change in them, a conversion, yeah. right? A, a movement in their heart of encountering Jesus, the Messiah, and saying, no, 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 no. we're, we're going to live differently. We're going to go a different direction in our life. We're not going to go back the same route. We're, we're choosing a different way. And man, it really struck me because I'm like, am, am I encountering the Lord in, a, in a, such an intentional, unique, and profound way that I am choosing to live differently each day. Yeah, there's the, there's the big question, right? Um, yeah, the Magi from the East, they, so they're from the Babylon area, and where they're from, there's a tyrant on their throne. There's an occupying force. Um, so these are great men who care a lot about science, care a lot about astrology. They, they paid attention to the stars. They're also men of faith because in the Babylonian belief system, uh, the planet Jupiter has 
omens and signs about kings. And so they've been watching the planet Jupiter. And one of those signs is that when it, when it coincides with a, a star named Regulus and they come together as if it's one star, mm-hmm. that's a sign that the king will be overthrown, which for them was really good news because they're, the one on their throne was, was this tyrant that they wanted to rid from their land. And so these are men that are disciplined. They're, they're looking for something to save them, someone to save them from the tyranny of an oppressive king. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's like Israel itself that was looking to be saved by the Messiah from the Romans, right? But then when they had to come to Christ and the salvation he actually offered, which was not so much freedom from an oppressor like Caesar or like uh, the king in Babylon, but freedom from the oppression of sin and darkness and death forever, that was the big change the wise men had to find, was that when they actually found this newborn king they were looking to liberate them back home, they realized that this king brought them a salvation they could have never expected from sin and death forever. And they were no longer afraid uh, of kings anymore. Because remember, when they didn't go to Herod, they'd already been to Herod. Herod would have found out and been very angry with them. And they knew this. Like They knew they would tick off a foreign king and possibly bring some trouble into their life. Because now this king... Um, have been warned in a dream about this king. This king could be after them. So they were putting themselves at risk to be obedient to the Lord who appeared to them in a dream. But their salvation didn't lie now between what kings are doing. It now lied with whether they're going to follow Jesus or not, whether they're going to be faithful to the God they met in Bethlehem or not. That's Mm -hmm. where they put all their faith in, not who's on the throne, but rather this child that they met, who's the king of kings. And we call them saints. They're canonized saints. Um, these wise men, because they did become Christian that day, and they changed their life because they met Jesus, just like we're talking about how Andrew did um, on the the shore of the Sea of Galilee and changed everything. Well, that was their moment. That was their moment of grace, and they responded. Why do some people say shepherds appear? Some say wise men. Well, magi, like great ones, is the one in uh, Matthew. Yeah. So, um, and then some people thought they were kings because they were great, but um, they just seem to be really wealthy, smart men, maybe noble people, but they have a lot of wealth and, uh, they take a big old trip. It was four months to travel from where they're from to Jerusalem. So they went on a four month trip to meet this newborn King. They must just had like expendable income. Yeah. We're like, ah, oh, we're just going to go on a four month trip. Take a trip. year off. Yeah. Just get on our camels and. Follow a star. Yeah, and they weren't pinching pennies. They were giving out gold, frankincense, and myrrh and stuff. I mean, wouldn't that be cool just wake up be like, I'm taking four months. I'm going to follow a star. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. And I mean, the the just go wherever it takes me, you know? Yeah. And speaking about intentionality, they, they weren't Christian, obviously. They weren't even Jewish, right? Like right. believers, like from what we know. Right. They Well, they believed a totally different belief system astrology before or, Jesus or yeah. something and but they were very intentional about what they were doing correct they were looking for something specific right and they were looking up I think that's really important they weren't men who looked down they weren't men who betrayed themselves to their lusts and their pleasures and their passions and lived a very wild undisciplined life these were men who were disciplined people and looked up looked towards heaven looked towards the divine for guidance in their life and that looking up 
allowed God to actually guide them. Not everyone found Jesus that day. Not every wise man in Persia found Jesus that day. But they were very intentional about what they were... They were very intentional. ...looking for, and about going on a trip, traveling, and they they didn't know what they were going to find and see. And this is what happens when we follow the Lord and and we say yes to Jesus. We don't know what's going to happen, where we're going to go, where it's going to lead us, right? Mm -hmm. When John's disciples followed Jesus, they had no idea, right? That that he was the Messiah. They didn't know the fullness of the truth of that, right? They just mm-hmm. knew that John was pointing towards him and they're like, we're going to go see, we need to, we need to understand this more, you know? And I, I, you know, it's, it's just interesting to me that these, these pagan fellows had this encounter with Jesus. What brought them to Jesus was intentionality, but what changed their heart was, you know, the intention of God through his grace and they went a different way. Yeah. Right? Well, they they were truly, sincerely seeking, and then God allowed them to truly find him. And then they saw who they were looking for. You know, they were overjoyed at the star at first, but then the star is only a shadow of the glory of the one that the star is pointing to. And when they found him, everything changed. Nothing else mattered other than him. And they... They didn't need a star in the sky anymore because the star in their life was now Jesus, right? So they went back home, meaning away, like the opposite direction of the star. The star was still there. Not like it disappeared the day they found him. But the star wasn't guiding them anymore. Christ was. And by this dream they had, like this, this is huge. God started talking to the wise men the way he talked to Mary and Joseph. You know, an angel appeared to Mary, an angel appeared to Joseph in his dream. And now an angel is appearing to these wise men. He's treating them as his own sons and daughters, not foreigners, not pagans, not Gentiles, but joint heirs with Christ, with his son, his adopted sons. Mm. Because of their encounter with his son Jesus, they become sons of God the Father. And they're totally changed. And they can't go back the same way. They can't. Um, and I think that's what you're, you're pointing to. Like All the mysteries of Christ happen every day in our life. And there is supposed to be some kind of encounter with the Lord that changes us. And we can't go to bed the same man that woke up that morning. Like that's a wasted day. That's right. All right, speaking of wasted day, <laughs> do we have a, a weird Catholic <laughs> stuff? Let's waste the day away. <laughs> what? That's weird. You Catholics are weird people. Weird Catholic stuff! All right. Uh, you ever heard of St. Anthony of the Desert? Of course you have. So when people hear St. Anthony, they first think of St. Anthony of Padua. And when they lose stuff, he helps them find them, right? Mm-hmm. But he wasn't the first St. Anthony. Oh, no. Oh, no. Speaking of John the Baptist being this wild man, this is, this is one of the weird things about Catholic history. Is St. Anthony of the Desert, who was even more John the Baptist than John the Baptist was. He was a wild man. Who is he? So St. Anthony the Great, um, known as the father of monks. So he was the, this is one, this is the weird Catholic stuff we do. Like we leave the world in sometimes dramatic ways. Really only Catholics do this. I mean, if you look around the Christian landscape, there's really no one else actively running from the world into some other way of life like Catholics do, especially in monasteries and uh, convents. But St. Anthony was the first one to really do this. 
This is about the year 250. Uh, he was Egyptian, and his parents died early. Um, and coming to Christ, hearing the gospel, he heard that famous line from the Gospel of Matthew, if you wish to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. Now, Anthony was pretty rich, okay? But he sells it all and goes into the desert. Now, Paul, this is like your, this is like your dream. This is your heart, man. He went into the desert to just live quietly in Th- prayer. This is my dream. Yeah. So he's your guy. But things are kind of weird with St. Anthony in the desert because, um, I mean, he lived in solitude for about 20 years. That's a long time. Okay. Not really interacting with people. And I think whatever you think would happen actually happened. So, like, people that would interact with him said he smelled, you know, his mm. teeth were all messed up. Mm. He looked wild. Mm. Um, like he wouldn't really bathe often, you know? Yeah. But he was so holy, um, and he was not educated. So he was a very young man when he decided to do this. So he was like a teen, less than a teenager, no, left his education. So he didn't really know how to read, didn't really know. Like, it's not like he had books out there to read, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's just out there praying all the time. Um, that That is my dream. <laughs> How'd you know? Yep. Um, one commentator calls him the anti-Augustine. So you know how St. Augustine was this very learned, wise writer and speaker? St. Anthony's the exact opposite. <laughs> and he's a saint. But a great saint. And the father of like all monks. Really? Basically, yeah. What, what year was he? 250 is when he went out. Um, he died around 356. Hmm. That was a few years ago. Yeah. That was a few years ago. Um, so what's wild is that we canonize people like this, you know, these wild men who, but they're not like turning into animals. Like they're actually becoming more human, um, living out in the desert alone. They find the Lord, they find their humanity. Um, but they certainly become different than us. Like he was not like everyone else in town, Hmm. but a canonized saint very much so. Um, so there's a story of two philosophers who had heard about him because he'd become kind of famous. And towards the end of his life, actually, some people want to imitate him, so they became hermits like he did, and that's where we get monks from, um, was this situation. But there were two philosophers that had heard about him. They were going to go, they were pagans, so they were going to go um, challenge him on his Christian beliefs. He's like this recognized leader. So they show up, and he's uh, he, he looks horrible. I mean, he, it's bad, you know? So they're like, is this really the guy? He says, well, what are you looking for? Um, and he said, if you've heard that I was good, then you should imitate the good. And if you think there's anything worth following by being a Christian, you should become Christian too. And that was it. That was his argument. Because he wasn't really well-educated. Like, he wasn't going to argue with them about philosophy and theology or whatever. So that was it. He was like, look, if you like what you see, join up. Now, these are two well-dressed pagan Greeks. And this guy looks crazy is like look if you like what you see join well they did like that's the weird thing like by god's grace there's nothing it's like our lord on the cross there's nothing about him that's attractive at all Hmm. in and of himself but that's what makes it so attractive is that there's a power at work in the life of anthony and and all other crazy catholics um that has nothing to do with how well they're dressed how good they speak how educated they are how powerful or influential but there's the power of god behind anthony when he spoke Wow. So that's weird. That is weird. Hmm. And we have weird Catholics. 
Don't don't play we don't, Paul. I'm a weird Catholic. Yeah, you're pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. But apparently God uses weird people weird <laughs> to do his work, you know? That's true. Okay. Um, speaking of weird, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon out of Conkin Studio. Um, I was thinking one... One of the disciples, a twin? Yes. Thomas? Yes, Thomas. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't his, his name means twin, yeah. Name mean twin? I wonder if he, did he have a twin? Yeah. He did. We don't know who. Do we? No. It's hmm. a good point. I've never wondered, like, where's Thomas's twin out there? Mm-hmm. Maybe they would take turns. I, if I had a twin, I would totally switch lives with them ever so often just for funsies. <laughs> Well, I went do a talk years ago at the University of South Carolina. The reason I remember it is because I met two twins. <clears throat> two guys that were students. One's actually in seminary now. One's in med school. Nice. Um, I just connected with them. My talk, we went to dinner um, that night, and um, they were telling me the story where there was this challenge at a restaurant to eat a it was like a massive like four foot long like sandwich mm-hmm. with fries it was and like a like a just think of like a roast beef like just huge <laughs> you know at this restaurant and they and it was like the impossible so they they planned it that the first twin would go order it and eat half and then they would switch <laughs> in the bathroom Brilliant. So they did. The first twin did his thing. He <laughs> ate half the sandwich, went to the restroom. The other twin comes out. They're dressed alike. <laughs> goes to the table. And dude, they're telling me the story. And I am cracking <laughs> up. So the other twins like outside now, like looking into the restaurant, like this is going to be great. Because I think like if you, if you completed this, it was like free food for a year. Whoa. Yeah. It was like a big deal. And our, the t-shirt and your picture on the wall. Dang. Yeah. So anyway, the second twin is, is going at it. I mean, you got to eat the fries, you got to eat everything. And it's, it's massive, but you know, the first twin ate half and this guy, so he's almost done. Like, and it's like the second to last bite and he pukes. Oh man. All over the place. And then you can't win that way. And you can't, and they they lost. I mean, they were that close (laughs) to pulling it off. Those are the fun things that you could do as a twin. Right. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so much. And I think uh, there's something there, Paul George, about like being twins with Jesus. Hmm. Is there? Yeah. Because, I mean, we won't be twins by him being more like me. But we could be twins by me being more like him. Hmm. And the more like him I am, the more my life can be as much his life as it is my life. Like St. Paul says, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? Mm-hmm. So like Jesus could be the one tag team in that big sandwich, you know? Hmm. I can't eat the sandwich myself. I can't. I've, I've, what is the saying? I've bit off more than I can chew. That's right. Jesus, I've bit off more than I can <laughs> chew in my life. Can you handle the rest? Yeah. Except he's not going to vomit. No, he... No, he he'll finish it. He'll get it done. Yeah, he'll he'll get it done. So I, you know, this reminds me of actually the the devotion of the Sacred Immaculate Heart. Um, obviously, we can't be twins with Jesus, sharing the same DNA, or having like both being sons of God in the way that Jesus is. But Our Lady, who's a mere human, there's nothing divine about her in and of herself, is so alike Jesus that their hearts, their twinning hearts, you know. They beat to the same rhythm. They have the same symbols on them that in devotion. Like they're they're so united. She's become so much like him that their hearts are united like that. And uh, Saint Joseph, even though he was a sinner like us, like his heart became like their heart. And I think our hearts can twin with with the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which is incredible. Have you ever met people like that that just like remind you of God Himself? Hmm. It's like you're looking, it's like you're with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think twinning with Jesus, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> I'm pretty bad at it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not great at I'm it. I'm not great at it. You know, one of the cool things that we celebrated this week, specifically in Louisiana, mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird Catholic thing, mm-hmm. but kind of a cool Catholic thing as well, is we celebrate a unique solemnity. The Feast of Our Lady of Prompt Succor. That's right. This week, who is the patroness of Louisiana. Louisiana is dedicated to the intercession of Our Lady of Prompt Succor, or how they would say it, Prompt Sucker. But I, yeah. It feels weird saying Prompt Sucker, but I think that right. is. It's yeah. French for like uh, fast help. Right. You know, quick help. Quick help. So um, the Ursuline nuns who started a school in new orleans the late seven, 1700s dude like crazy mm-hmm. prayed the intercession of our lady's quick help to to get more nuns to their school from france and and then they prayed for protection because there was war and and so she became uh they put a an image or a statue of the our lady and um our Lady of Fast Help, Our Lady of Prompt Sucker became the inter. They interceded, I guess. You know, whatever. Through, yeah. Through Our Lady, and now she's the patroness of Louisiana. We celebrate a solemnity this yeah, past week. Is, yeah, it was. It was greater than the baptism. If you notice in Louisiana, if you went to Mass, there was no baptism of the Lord this year in Louisiana because, because it fell on the same day. It was the same day as Our Lady of Prompt Sucker. Right. And she took precedence because it's our it's our solemnity. It's our specific, unique. I don't know if every state has that. I don't know if they do or not. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. 
Maybe, would, maybe I, if a miracle happened. I bet Mary has like half the states, if I had to guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was kind of cool. I, I grew up in a parish, Our Lady of Prompt Sucker, mm-hmm. and never really knew the story. Yeah. Right? I, I, didn't, I didn't really, no one, how, how could you be at a parish like, and no one ever tell you the story of the story? Yeah. You know? That's the world we live in, man. And I don't know what year became a solemnity in the state, but we celebrated it this week. And like, I'm just learning about this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's incredible. She saved the city from, well, the Ursulines and the city from fire, from war. Um, and she'll help us too. You know, my only hope of twinning with Jesus is twinning with Our Lady. Oh, good. There's no like mm. other hope that I have. Yeah, you're not going to, well, you're never going to look like her. So no. you might act like her maybe, but not all the way. So <laughs> speaking of twinning, we can't have our show first show back of the new year and not do six pack of questions. Question. Question number one. All right. So Paul, it's the new year, 24. And one thing I know about you with new years is that you start with intention Mm -hmm. and you usually pick a word or a phrase that'll help you get after it all year. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what it is. I know you got one. What's the word? Or well, phrase? I don't know if I want to share it with the public. Okay. It's pretty personal. But I will say this that um I am I am specifically intentional about goals for the year, spiritual goals, practical goals, family goals, all those things. Mm. I usually start doing those around Advent, the spiritual new year, and then kind of hit the new year, you know. Now I'm a little bit scattered. You know, the new year's just starting, but I am very intentional about that. And one of the things we do as a whole family is pray for, like, maybe a specific word for you spiritually to focus on. So everybody kind of does that on their own, and then we share those. But I kind of had a word a few times, but this year it just, I couldn't get a word, but it the word developed into a phrase. And hmm. I was like, well, there's no rules on this. That's right. Like, who's, who's rules? God's rules. Whatever. Yeah. So instead of a word, I have a phrase. And that phrase is kind of the spiritual anchor for my year. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, great. And it does have something to do with like being a hermit in the woods. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Contemplative. So like a St. Anthony type yeah. pull. But I would take showers. Yeah. So, Why not? Yeah. All right, question number two. So we talked about uh, the twins that were born in different years. Um, so my question to you would be, you told us about your cousin that you felt very close to mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, talk to me about brotherhood and the importance of spiritual brotherhood for a second. So I know that like having men in your life, especially for guys, having men in your life that are strong men obviously helps you be a strong man. But strong friends and like brotherhood are different. You know, what, what does a man get from a brother that we need in the spiritual life or like what benefit, like a good spiritual brother, what does that provide a man? And I ask because that's one of the, I'm sure you hear this too. It's one of the most common things I hear men are looking for, right? Like, yeah, I want good, close community friendship. Like I want spiritual brothers. Like what are they looking for? And what is, what benefit does that bring to our life? Hmm. Well, I know one thing is that, um, you know, any type of 
of real brotherhood doesn't happen by luck. Got to be intentional about relationships, you know, intentional about building friendship and brotherhood and accountability and time, all those things. And I think all people desire those types of relationships, but the people who are missing them the most are people who aren't intentional about having those in their life, you know? So maybe one of the goals for all of us this year is to be a little bit more intentional about having the type of relationships that we want and need in our life. Hmm. Okay. I like that. Question mm-hmm. number three. So we talked about uh, John the Baptist pointing out Jesus to Anthony, um, Andrew and Peter, mm-hmm. and then they leave everything and follow him. Um, what, what does it take for a Christian to really become what we might call a saint? That is someone who's actually willing to lay it all down. And I ask for a very selfish reason because I've been doing this whole discipleship thing for a while and I still see in myself, let's say weaknesses or attachments to certain things or things that are keeping me from, from really going after the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. What, what did uh, Andrew see that day? Like what did he have in himself that made him want to actually follow it all? Like how do we imitate that? I don't know what he saw. Um, but what he recognized in Jesus was something different than he had ever seen before. And that's what conversion is. That's what the wise men saw when they saw Jesus in the manger, something that they had never seen before in their life. And when that happens, change happens in our heart. Right. And so we've, we've all had moments like that, or, or that, that we see spiritually what we've been enlightened to see and and that should transform us and move us forward you know Mm. that would that would be a great question for those disciples like what did you see what did you notice but it was obviously something that was so unique and different it was god himself right Mm -hmm. all right question number four so we talked about the wise men going home another way of course they did and then you mentioned um of course that this would be a daily occurrence so what are some maybe like concrete spiritual practices that you would recommend that actually help us to have that type of conversion every year to actually, I mean, every day to actually end the day different than we began it. Hmm. Man, that's a good one. It's, it's like, okay, where, how can I intentionally and practically put myself in position to recognize Jesus each day so that I see in things differently and, I, and I'm, and I'm taking the route and the course that Jesus wants me to take. And so what are those things in your life? Prayer, the sacraments, things that make you and help you to see Jesus, right? Intentional time with, with family and your spouse and your kids, uh, like those intentional moments with Jesus help you to see life differently. I know that when I don't have those things in my life, things just feel more blurry and dark, right? Mm -hmm. But when I am accessing the Lord through his grace, through prayer and the sacraments and relationships with people, things just seem a lot clearer in my life. Question number five, kind of related to that. So St. Anthony of the Desert, solitude in the desert, that was his plan. Um, Hmm. What is 
what is the need for solitude that we have with the Lord where like there's no one else but me and him? Um, and how does a Christian kind of, maybe we don't go to the desert like Anthony did to live solitude all the time. Mm-hmm. But is there a way to have the benefit of solitude with the Lord in our life as a Christian, let's say living in a city or living, you know, a normal American life? Mm-hmm. So what's your question? So what is the reason for solitude or the benefit of like being alone with Jesus with no one else? It and, seems like all the great saints either talk about it or were or had a contemplative lifestyle, meaning like, yeah, they could be out in the world and they could preach or speak, but they always had the solitude to just pray and be with the Lord, right? To listen, to hear, to reflect. And I think we all desire that contemplative time, a time where there's no noise, a time where we can get away. Our phones are off. You know, we, we go on retreat, but like we need that consistently in our life, not just once a year, you know? So, yeah, we need to carve out that quiet time in our life daily, I think. Mm -hmm. All right, question number six. Um, So what are some ways that you failed and what are some ways you succeeded about getting that quiet time of prayer every day? Like what are, or not just you specifically, but like what are, (laughs) I guess what are some things to try that actually work and what are some things that seem like they'll work but maybe don't ever work? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are some things that, like, how do we how do we actually do this practically? Get that prayer time in every day. What have you seen works? What have you seen doesn't work? <sighs> well, I think one of the hardest things is is just saying, well, I'll find a time today to pray. And then by the end of the day, you're like, I just didn't find a time. Like, my day got mm-hmm. ate up by, like, all the things. And so it seems to work best when you carve out time at the front end of your day and on the back end of your day. Like, you know, starting your morning and ending your day, but having that morning to start your day in prayer, you know? So being intentional about that, because if you're like, oh, no, I'll just find a time during the day, it's just going to be very inconsistent. It's probably not going to happen the way you want. Hmm. You know? And so I've just found that being a little bit more intentional or consistent in that way has helped. Nice. So there you go. Yeah. There's our first six-pack of the year. That's it. And we talked about twins. We talked about, you know. Epiphanies. All sorts of things. All sorts. Yeah, which is, which is you know, par for the course. True to form. True to form. Yeah. Tour, tour de force. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, thanks everyone for listening in, being a, back, a part of the show for 2024. Um, have a great week. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks to KLFT Radio and everyone listening on the podcast. God bless.